0: once again we bring you the thrilling adventures of the shadow the hard and relentless fight of one man against the forces of evil these dramatizations are designed to demonstrate forcibly to old and young alike that crime does not pay Last year, in 1948, the American people ordered nearly 3 million care packages to be delivered to needy people overseas. Perhaps you were one of those who sent care packages. At any rate, we all know the tremendous need for food and clothing that still exists in war-torn countries. And that means right now, a child or a family overseas needs your help. Care provides the maximum amount of food for the cost in its 23-pound food package. And delivery is guaranteed. Total cost of care food or clothing textile package is $10. You may send your order to Nonprofit care, 50 Broad Street, New York City, New York. And now, The Shadow. The Shadow, who aids the forces of law and order, is in reality Lamont Clanston, wealthy young man about town. Years ago in the Orient, Cranston learned a strange and mysterious secret: the hypnotic power to cloud men's minds where they cannot see him. Cranston's friend and companion, the lovely Margot Lane, is the only person who knows to whom the voice of the invisible shadow belongs. Today's drama: The Trail of the Knifer. The Knifer was keeping the blade sharp, razor sharp, for you, Miss Millicent. No! Oh, no! Knifer! knife have
1: mercy! The day may come when you yourself need mercy. Perhaps,
0: Miss Millicent, but never from you! <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, that'll do. that i just a couple of suggestions from the cast and play for the day. Uh, go a little easy on the laugh, Mr. Trevelyan. As you say, Kirk. Huh? And uh, you can make more of that last scream, Miss Leckton. Thank you, Mr. Kirk. You were a little late with that thunder too, you know, Clarity. Yeah, I guess they must have been wool gathering. Okay. Uh, you and Mr. selection are dismissed now, Mr. Trevelyan. Thanks, you. The crew stands by for a light rehearsal. And remember, tomorrow night we open. Uh, And that was the last rehearsal of the revival of The Trail of the Kniper, featuring the inimitable Trevelyan, aging star of horror plays of yesteryear. In spite of a series of mysterious mishaps during rehearsals, producer Edmund Gerard was hoping desperately for a Broadway hit, until on opening night, Richard Kirk, his brilliant young director, walked into his office. Mr. Gerard, I've asked Mr. Trevelyan and Miss Lekton to stop in here on their way to their dressing room in case you have any last-minute suggestions. Oh. Well, thanks, Kurt. Well, what did you think of the dress rehearsal yesterday? It was all right. All right? I thought it was great. I'm sorry, Kirk. It was great. As a director, you've done a magnificent job in the face of all the bad luck we've hit with this production. Well, it'll be okay now. Kurt. I... I don't think so. Okay, okay, even if you don't. Opening night is no time to be depressed. Boy, I know this will startle you, but I'm seriously thinking of calling off the whole production. What? I've got a feeling... A feeling that we'll regret it to the end of our days if we don't. Nonsense. Look, I've sweated blood over this deal, and we're going through it. What in the world's gotten into you? Look, lad. Last week at an auction, I bought the original copy of this play of ours. The Trail of the Message? <laughs> yes. Well, I haven't had time to glance at it, as you can well imagine. But last night, I took time and... And... Well, I found this handwritten note attached to the title page. Who wrote it? The author himself, obviously. Warning. It is my regrettable duty to inform all future producers that this play is a highly dangerous vehicle. Improbable as it may seem, the leading character is likely to come to life and create havoc with... with a weapon that has nothing to do with the harmless make-believe of the scene. What in the world does this mean? I don't know. And I don't like to guess. Well, oh, you're surely not going to let it upset you. It already has. I don't know why, but it... I mean, it fills me with a sense of terror, Kurt. Unaccountable and uncontrollable terror. Who's that? A member of the cast, probably. Oh, oh Miss Leggdon, what's you come
1: Thank you, Mr. Kirk. Mr. Kirk thought you might have some suggestions to make about my performance, Mr. Dion.
0: Why, why, no. No, I don't have. I think your work is excellent. However, I... Well, Miss Legden, I'm considering the possibility of cancelling the table tonight. Mr. Gerard. Well, you're not cancelling it. What about the backers' money? The backers will understand. They know me as a dependable man. We're going on with this play, Gerard, and that's all there is to it. There have been some mishaps. Okay, so there have, but we beat them all. And now, by jupiter, we're going to finish the job and get all the fame and glory we can out of it. Bravo, Kurt. That's about the first intelligent remark I've heard from your ruby lips since this little office got underway. Uh, thanks for the indulgence. I thought perhaps our producer here might get cold feet. Surprised he hasn't gotten them long ago, what with one thing and another. But I have a taste for the part I'm saying and sort of a tornado hitting the theater. I intend to execute it before an audience of my peers. Now, see here, <laughs> right. Mr. Gerard I think we should... Shut you impediment squirt. Trevelyan, is that the courtesy of the theater? This young female is as out of place in the theater as I would be in a broad jump meet. Now, just a minute. I happen to know a little something about your business. A very little something, Mr. Gerard. A very little something indeed. If you think that a man of my talent and integrity would give up this magnificent opportunity because of a few trifling setbacks... A happy opening to you, Mr. Gerard and Mr. Turk. And I will see you on stage, Miss Leggdon. Uh, I'm very sorry, Miss that's, that's
1: quite all right.
0: Well, where are you going, dear?
1: To? to my dressing room.
0: Don't let that old egotist upset you, Miss Leggdon.
1: I'll
0: try not to. How do you like that That vicious old hand? I'm not sure, you vicious jerk. Even an old time like civilian can get upset with the sort of trouble we've had. Oh, right. nuts. Just don't show him that note you found. I'd never do anything quite so foolish. Where is it, by the way? Oh, uh, I have got it right here in my pocket. Just a moment. Yes, Clarity, was it? There's a Miss Lane here to see Mr. Gerard. Huh? Says he asked her and a Mr. Caston to come backstage. Oh, oh yes. Clarity. Send her in. Okay. okay. Am I late, Mr. Durant? No, not at all. Oh, you know our director, the Kirk, don't you, Miss Lane? Yes, of course. Nice to see you again, Miss Lane. But where's Cranston? Well,
1: he phoned and said he'd be the same, but he'll be along in a few minutes.
0: He is coming.
1: He wouldn't miss it for the world. Lamont thinks an opening night is about
0: the most exciting
1: thing. What's that?
0: Pavilion. Well, what's it all about? Fight. I told him to take it easy on that lap during rehearsals, and now he's sore. I'd go on up to the dressing room and talk to him. Right. Uh, see you, Miss Lane. Come on in. Come on in. Hey, come in. Now look, Traveller, and I told you yesterday to go easy on your throat. Now I'm telling you again, and for the last time, cut it out. Just who do you think you are talking to? I happen to be the director of this show. Do you know what I think of you, Mr. Turk? Let's change the act. This time I'll tell you what I think of you. You're an insufferable, broken-down old ham bone who could be replaced by any cut-rate agent in town like that. You untalented young swine. You snapped your fingers in my face. Thanks for telling me, Tarugan. I thought it was the ruins of Pompeii. Why, What Say you thing, th- Sangali. And now on, you follow orders or I'll bounce you out on your barricose ear. we will hold him for a beat. That's what neck next windbag. All I need is one more running with him and... The... Well, what do you want? Excuse me. Excuse me? Well, look, get out of my way, will you? I'm... You're not actually trying to scare me with that phony pop, are you? That trick knife wouldn't cut hot butter. <laughs> it wouldn't cut hot
1: butter. <sighs> Gerard. Gerard. Gerard!
0: right, Miss Lane. Thank you, so, Mr. Dool-Aid.
1: 29 minutes
0: after you. Why, well, there should have been a standby signal on the curtain 10 minutes ago. Who's supposed to get it? Kurt, our director. This gentleman who went up to the television presser room.
1: He's been gone a long time. He don't suppose he's except his
0: Could it? I guess I'd better... Kurt! He's a Close the door, sir. Why, it's Kurt. The electrician found at the bottom of the stairs. In the dressing room's here. He's hurt. He's dead. So oh, a no. a knife. The knife? Yes. The broad flat double-edged blade. A weapon that has nothing to do with the harmless makes it the What? note. Hey. It was in his pocket. What note? It was a warning I found attached to the original manuscript of this play. No, it's gone. Where is it? has gone wheres it it probably put it for a souvenir. Then it started. It's really happening. What is? I'll explain to you later. But well, we've got to be careful. The theater is beginning to fill up. This could cause a panic. I know. I've already warned the electrician not to tell us soul. When did you last see this man alive? Only a few minutes ago. Right here in the office. He left off the what? was rehearsing a laugh, ruining his throat, and Kirk was very angry. I see. It. Where is Covellion's One flight up. Third door from the head of the fair. Thanks. Come along, Marco. Feel safe for having you with me. Drop. Yes. I think it'd be just as well if you sent for the police. Right now. Uh-oh. We'll Pavilion. Pavilion. Pavilion! Me? No, I'm proud of the first man. And who may I ask if you, you the permission to go crashing around backstage? Mr. Gerard did. If you've no objections. Any more questions? No, sir. Then I'll ask a few. What are you doing in this dressing room? I, uh, I just came up to check the Pavilion's prop. Prop? Yes, sir. The pipe he smokes in the first act. The knife he uses for the murder. Knife he uses. It's a medicine. "Sir, sir if you'd be interested." I would be. be. I'd be pretty careful designing that thing. The a very realistic, actor and when he stabbed. How he did this knife get him. up here? I bogged up myself in the top room after rehearsal yesterday. Now <clears throat> you see how it works. The blade goes up in the hand. It does. Yes, sir. Look again. What do you mean? I mean this is the real article. Slaughter a buffalo with a weapon like this. Where in the world did it come from? That's easy. You can find about a dozen in any pawn shop. The question is, why did you bring it up here yesterday? Well, uh, I didn't know it was nothing to a danger, sir. Mr. Oh, hello, Miss Lake.
1: I've been looking everywhere for a Adams. Mr. Kirk, I saw him lying on the couch in Mr. Gerard's office. I thought he was sleeping. I touched him before I realized him. he was dead.
0: And I found Kirk at the bottom of the stairs a few minutes ago, stabbed to death. <gasps> what was supposed to be a pop knife with a foamy blade? A knife identical to the weapon he brought up in the pop room. I don't think even Clarity would try to deny it, would you, Clara?
1: where is he?
0: Standing like this, Mr. Courtesy, the say goodbye. You
1: could probably find him at Donnegy.
0: It's
1: the bar and girl up the alley with a cool congregate. See,
0: thanks.
1: Shall I go along now? I
0: think you'll be safer here than with me, Margot. Stay with Miss Lexington. And when Gerard comes back, find out if he got that call through to the police. <laughs> you going to get the idea i'm following you around Flaherty. Uh, hey. uh, what's the matter a man can't buy himself a drink who said not what do you have what are you buying i'll ring for the boy now let's talk what about about you about how you wouldn't like to see this play open about how you're a superstitious man by nature and figure this production has been jinxed from the start. Is that so? Don't all... you think murder's a pretty drastic way of closing a show, Flaherty? You got any more questions? Yes. Where did you buy those knives? Now look here, you... Well, I'll tell you. There's a young guy named Harmon with no hair and only one eye. What's his last name? Ah, that'll be telling. Now this Herman, you see, is a strictly tough egg. He's a mean Herman, is For a fin, he'd break a bottle over the back of your head as fast as he'd look at you. Yes, where is he now? Oh, Herman? Yes. (laughs) He's standing right behind you with an empty fist in his mitten if you bud your muscle you're done. What are you talking about? Just what I said. I (laughs) do! Just exactly what I said, mister. (laughs) We'll return to The Shadow in just a minute. We Americans have a healthy attitude about our government. We are never satisfied with it. Our best minds spend a lot of time figuring out how to improve our democracy, how to strengthen it. And lately, a lot of these smart people agree that we've been overlooking one mighty important fact. And that is that like charity, democracy begins at home. Think about that a minute and you'll see the wisdom of it. Who is the biggest influence in a child's formative years? His parents. Where does he get his training, ideas, values, his prejudices from his parents? It's no exaggeration to say that the future of America is in the hands of you mothers and fathers. It's up to you parents to set an example, to teach good citizenship, to make democracy live right in the family. And here are just a few ways to do it. Think of your children as individuals and treat them that way. Respect their opinion. Give them responsibilities and duties within the family. Develop a team spirit. Let the children help make minor family decisions. That's the surest way to teach the democratic conception of the dignity of the individual. Freedom is everybody's job. Back now to the shadow. Death. Has struck down the director of the old horror play, The Trail of the Niper. In an effort to discover the identity of the real Niper, Cranston was knocked unconscious in a foreign grill next door to the theater. Now Margot leans over his prostrate form in a backroom booth. Lamont?
1: Lamont? Are you all right, Lamont? Mm, well. Well.
0: Yes barn grill. Hey, look, I, I'm sorry this had to happen. Where's Flaherty? Flaherty? Yes, Flaherty, the stage manager of the theater, the guy who tried to crack me. my skull. Well, Mr. Flaherty just left a minute ago. When I saw him go out, I came in the booth here. I found you. Get to the phone, Marco. We'll call the police. Tell them to pick up on Mr. Flaherty. Okay. Anything else happen? Oh, I don't think so. Christmas later. i left her in Yeah? Let's get going. Yes, with the phone. Call from the theater. I don't want to leave her alone any longer than we can avoid. <laughs> Lakeman. Blaketon.
1: Yes, here I am. You all right? Oh, am I glad to see you. What's happened now? The audience is getting completely out of hand. Mr. Gerard has gone out to try to pacify them. Is he
0: going on with the show? He
1: doesn't want to, but he says he will if we can find Mr. Trevelyan.
0: Trevelyan? Where is he?
1: I don't know. He's completely disappeared. Vanished.
0: Come on, Margot. Gerard's going to have a show. We'd better find the star. Oh,
1: Mark, what about
0: Blair? Blair will be very well taken care of by the police when they get here, Margot, which should be in a very few minutes now. Uh, Miss Laketon. Yes? Do what you can to get the rest of the cast together while we locate Trevelyan. Gerard can't hold that audience out there forever. Hey, Griff, do uh, you see Mr. Trevelyan? Uh, Trevelyan, no, sir. Where could he be? Uh, did you look in the old green room for be in huh? Well, he ducks in now and then for a smoke door there by the exit. Come on, Margo, it's worth a chance. Trevelyan? Trevelyan?
1: Nobody here. Excuse me. have covered the entire backstage. At... What a Look. What is it? Old playbills, bills. Dozens of them. <laughs> and these must be fifty years old, Lamont. Look. This one. Sir John Forbes Robertson in Hamlet.
0: One even more intriguing. Presenting a new murder drama, The Trail of the Knifer. Being the authentic account of the career... A minute. What do you know? What is it? Close the door. I want to get you good look at this. Listen to this, Margot. Being the authentic account of the career of the condemned murderer, Wilhelm Beinstadt, whose crimes terrorized this city in the past winter. That'll be the winter of 1923, judging by the date. What does it mean? It means that this play was based on the real-life story of Wilhelm Beinstadt, a killer of bygone days. So? Look, my girl murderers in general, and I see no reason to accept Mr. Beinstadt. So no particular desire to have their stories revealed to the general public. Hey, oh, Mr. Krantz, Major. Yes. Well, there's somebody to see you outside. See me? Who is it? Clarity. Clarity? Well, why didn't he come himself instead of sending you? He couldn't come himself, Mr. Krantz. He's got a knife in his back and he's dying. Oh, I got it i tell you this fact. Not much time. Go on, Ferdy. What happened? He was following me up the alley, trying to make me go back to the theater. Who was following? Trevelyan. Trevelyan? Mr. Ven? Where? Uh, There's no time. Let me call. All right, Margo. Go ahead, Mr. We, we fought. He was trying to drag me back to the theater. I hit him and just then. Yes? He let me have it with the knife. Knife? Where's Trevelyan now? Mm. I don't know. Maybe down below.
1: Down below. Below
0: what? Below what, Barry? Uh, Foss in nineteen thirty-nine. We did. Foss and. Stop. Oh. What do you mean by fast. Clear-headed to the end, Barry. He was right. We, we did do Faust here in 39. Anything special about the production? No, nothing but hard work. Had to cut out a piece of the stage, build a room under it to make a trapdoor. Trapdoor? Sure. In his Faust, you know, the devil has to disappear through a trapdoor. Ooh. that? Who's there?
1: It's me, Mr. Trevelyan. Miss Legton.
0: What are you doing down here?
1: We've been looking everywhere for you, Mr. Trevelyan. I had heard about the trap door under the stage, so I came down here just on the chance.
0: I hope you're satisfied now that you've found me, Miss Legton.
1: what's the matter? Did something happen to you?
0: Nothing more than a little scuffle with that renegade clarity. He struck me, the boor, Knocked me unconscious. But no matter... The play can go on very well without a stage manager. Listen. The audience. Come on, Miss Langton. We've got to go up there and give a performance, the best performance we can. Just a moment. Later, later. Wait. No time. The show must go on. You missed the
1: point, surveillance. The show must not go on. Aye.
0: Aye, Miss Langton. What are you saying?
1: This time I'm going to make sure of the cancellation of the trail of the knife. What? You're a complete egotist, surveillance. You'd force this performance to go on over all obstacles. Force it for your own petty personal gain. But what you don't realize is that a play can't go on with a dead star.
0: What are you talking about?
1: This. A knife. Exactly. And this one is no prop.
0: Surely you can't. That is,
1: you can't. But I can and I will. Do you think I'd let one more murder stand in my way now, you spindle-shank-superannuated boar horse?
0: Miss Reggdon.
1: You love good theater surveillance. Then revel in this. This is the moment, The climax of the night thrust in the dark when the earth flares in final flame and the devil sits grinning on his throne. No,
0: please, no.
1: Play a death new you ham. This is your
0: final curtain. <laughs> Who's that? Come on, doctor. Are you sure it's not your final curtain, Miss Langton? Who are you? The shadow. Visible to you, but near at hand in the name of justice.
1: What do you want
0: here? Retribution. Retribution for the ruthless steps you took to stop the production of this play. Not the small things setting fire to the dressing rooms, wrecking the electrical system. But the steps you took when those things didn't work and the opening night came. You got desperate. I
1: don't know what you're talking about.
0: You knew Kirk was determined to proceed in spite of you, so you killed him. Trevelyan here was to be next, because he too was bent on producing the show at all costs. But Flaherty got in the way, didn't he, Miss Laketon? That's not Fury true. During that struggle in the Dark Alley you missed, the night that was meant for Trevelyan landed in Flaherty's back. Then you managed to drag the unconscious star down here where you were going to correct that little mistake.
1: Why should I murder anyone? For a
0: strange reason, but a sound one nevertheless. You didn't want the life of Juan Wilhelm Beinstadt brought before the public again. You wanted your father's story buried in the past. Oh, what do you know about my
1: father? I know
0: that the pseudonym of Lake Town is nothing more than the English translation of the German name Weinstadt. Your father's crimes have been preying on your mind for years, and a theatrical performance of them was more than you could bear. And say it's true.
1: What right do they have to wake all this up from the grave? To make me live it all over again in all its ugly, miserable horror? What
0: right did you have to take their lives?
1: The same right my father had. Now keep on taking lives until his name is buried once and for all. Now, listen to me. Once and for all, I say. Come back
0: here. The theater's surrounded. Come all. back. You haven't got a chance.
1: Okay, ma'am. That's it.
0: I warned you, Miss Laketon. You didn't have a chance.
1: So it was Miss Leggdon all along who was trying to
0: stop the production. Again. Miss Feinstadt, Margot. The infamous daughter of an infamous murderer.
1: Miss and she couldn't stop the production with a series of accidents. She got desperate,
0: is not it? Exactly. Kirk and Trevelyan were determined to go on with the show, so in a crazy, last ditch effort, she killed Kirk and tried to murder Trevelyan. Poor Flaherty, of course, who actually didn't want the show to go on either, was killed for his trouble. Mm.
1: Not exactly a successful opening.
0: It's pretty terrifying, actually. Mm.
1: Too bad
0: about the audience. Well, they got their money back. But they
1: came to see
0: a play, and there wasn't any. Yes, there was, Margot. Not on the stage, but there was a drama, <laughs> powerful and tragic. Only, like most real life dramas, it was done without lights, without music, and without benefit of audience. <laughs> Everyone knows the sound of a human heartbeat. It may be yours, mine, anyone. Well, one of the ways you can keep that heart beating is to help fight heart disease. And we must fight heart disease because compared to other leading causes of death, heart disease is America's leading cause of death. Our scientists and doctors must find effective ways to combat it. They need your help. Yes, your dimes and dollars can furnish the necessary research, the education and community efforts in this all-out fight against heart diseases. So, when you're asked to give to the American Heart Association, give and give generously. Open your heart. Fight heart disease. Now, once again, back to the shadow. This story is copyrighted by and Smith Publications, Incorporated. All names and places are fictitious. Any similarity to persons living or dead is purely coincidental. Listen again next week, same time, same station, when the shadow will again demonstrate that the weed of crime has bitter fruit. Crime does not pay. The shadow knows... <laughs> Next week, same time, same station, we bring you another strange and thrilling adventure of the shadows during battle against the forces of evil. The part of Lamont Caston was played by Brett Morrison, Margot by Grace Matthews. This program came to you from New York. Stay tuned now for quick as a flash. This is the Musical Don Lee Broadcasting Center.